Hello and welcome to Wellness KE, the podcast. My name is Fatma. Thank you so much for joining us once again on yet another amazing episode as we get to discuss everything wellness, be it physical wellness, environmental wellness, social wellness, emotional wellness, and so much more. This is the platform that gives you all the information you need so that you can be able to make your life better. And today we're tackling an interesting aspect of wellness, which is environmental wellness. But before I go too far, I just want to let you know that you can be able to take part in the conversation by clicking on that white icon that says message. Click on it and leave us a message and tell us what you think about the conversation. You can also leave us a voice message. It would be so nice to hear your voice. (laughs) So leave us a voice message and tell us what you think about the conversation. If you'd like to share any details or information, or if you think you could be our next guest or you have someone that would make an interesting and informative guest, please feel free to click on that icon. Again, I want to introduce my guest in a way that is going to, I don't know, I want to make sure that all of you get to have a sense of the type of person that I'm seated across or next to. So today we're going to focus on environmental wellness and the organization that is spearheading this amazing message or amazing, um, um, what do I call it? Uh, Ah, I don't have the word. Okay, so they have a really, really good uh, message that they want all of you to know about because um, this is an issue that is related to food. So there's one thing that we should all know, and it's the fact that all of us get to eat food. So whether you are young, you are old, you are rich, you're poor, we all have one thing in common. We all get hungry and we all need to eat food. And because of that, we have to know what type of food are we eating and what really goes into this food. Is it safe for us to use? And our topic is why our food is killing us. And I have an amazing guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome a representative of Root to Food. And his name is Emmanuel Atamba. Emmanuel, how are you doing? Fine, Asante Sana. Thank you for having me today. Thank you also for making the time, for sitting down with me and for also sharing and the good work that you're doing because I know we're going to get to that, yeah? Sure, sure. Higher. Now, I really want to start from finding out what Root to Food is about because there are people who are tuning in and they're listening and they're hearing about Root to Food, but they don't necessarily know. Can you tell us what is Root to Food and what is the main aim of having such an organization? Yeah, uh, so thank you very much, Fatima, for uh, for having me and uh, for giving us this platform to yeah. talk to your audience, to talk to the Kenyan people mm-hmm. and all the people who are basically tuning into this conversation. Um, Roots to Food is uh, an alliance um, of people, individuals, mm-hmm. um, mainly Kenyans, uh, who are championing for realization of the right to food. So many Kenyans don't know this, but actually every Kenyan has a right to food enshrined in the Constitution, actually Article 43.1c, mm-hmm. that provides every Kenyan with the right to be free from hunger and to have access to adequate food of sufficient quality and quantity. Wow. So every Kenyan has this right. And uh, part of the work that we do is, first of all, to create awareness about this right, which is enshrined in the Constitution to mm-hmm. get Kenyans 
Kenyans to know about their right to food and to also get them to start advocating for this right because we are the, the you know the, the bearers of, 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 of this right but then again we have the responsibility also um, to advocate for this right because not all of us for example are experiencing routine hunger not all of us um, are, you know experiencing uh, these uh, situations for example with the drought yeah. you know where people get to die so it is the responsibility of all of us to speak also uh, not only on our behalf but yeah. also on behalf of those who are voiceless yeah. and this is why we have the route to food so we have the route to food initiative uh, which more or less guides the conversations and then we have the route to food alliance which is now this you know um, um, this group of people this um, um, I mean a network of people who are working on these issues every day and these Kenyans who are concerned about this issue so this yeah. is what Root to Food is about and we tackle all aspects of the right to food because when you talk about the right to food there are all aspects also that link to it mm-hmm. and there are a lot of food system issues there are a lot of issues of the farming system the form of agriculture that we are using and we try to look at how all these issues also plus socioeconomic issues in affecting people how all these issues now get to affect realization of the right to food Mm-hmm. And that is how we get into all these conversations, um, including the conversation that we are having today yeah. about the safety of our food and how our food is produced and the kind of damage we are doing to the environment. Okay. Because we believe that this has a bearing on the right to food today and also uh, in the future. Okay, that's such a noble cause because I love the fact that you said you're doing this not just for you, not just for the people you know, but also for others who do not have a voice. Because we do know that there are people in this country who are actually suffering um, because probably they're not, they're not even aware of their right to even access clean food, um, food that's going to be healthy for them, to even have food in the first place. And so this is a topic that I feel is so important that all of us need to know more about. And specifically today, we really want to talk about the fact that the foods that the farmers are, you know, they're working hard Mm -hmm. to grow all these crops and all this food that ends up on our plates. But unfortunately, this food is not safe for consumption. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before we even get to that, maybe you can just tell me what the story is behind Root to Food, because I'm sure... You know, for anyone who has started any type of, any kind of organization or platform, there's a story behind it. Mm -hmm. For me, Wellness KE, I started it because I've gone through lots of um, medical issues. Mm -hmm. And then once I got better, I felt like God just saved me so that I can be able to share lots of information so that others don't have to go through what I'm going through Mm -hmm. or for them to have hope. Mm -hmm. So what about for you? What is the story behind Root to Food and why is it even in existence? So, yeah, I mean, um, as I've said before, it's just the realization that uh, there's a big gap mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, people understanding, uh, understanding first of all, uh, the right to food, um, knowing, for example, you know, all the intrigues that come when you talk about the right to food, you know, mm-hmm. all the connections, all the connectors with all these other sectors, with yeah. all the other aspects of, of food systems, of farming systems. So uh, when, when, when you realize, for example, that people don't know about this right to food, you know, right to food is only secondary to the right to life. 
So, you know, people are talking about the right to education, people are talking about equality and all these kind of things, but mm -hmm. no one is talking about the right to food. So this is why we started this initiative. Okay. Basically to come out clear and say, yeah, we are talking about all these other issues, but there's something that is very important, that is very close to, um, to us, that means a lot to us, means a lot to everyone, but people are not talking about it. So let's start talking about it. And, and, and now when, when, you know, when, for example, even when we are doing our work, we realize, for example, simple things like, uh, of course, the problem of hunger is being mis, uh, you know, um, misdiagnosed, for example. And you see, when you have a wrong diagnosis, you can't, you can't have the correct treatment yeah. with a wrong diagnosis. So people think that the problem of hunger is an issue of production that we need to increase production. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to use more chemicals, we need to use more hybrids, we need to use GMOs uh, for us to us to solve the problem that mm -hmm. we have at hand. Oh, for there to be now a lot more yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, which is not, which is not the case, mm -hmm. yeah. The problem of food security is a problem of access. Yeah, not a problem of production. Okay. Because when there is access, then um, that access creates demand. And that demand, uh, because when you talk about access, now we are talking about access and, and access that is translated uh, again to demand. So, you know, someone might be wanting to eat, for example, um, a mixture of fruits today. Mm. Yeah. Um, that wanting does not translate directly to demand. So that wanting has to be accompanied with the, the ability of them to afford that, yeah. that thing that they want. So if that, is, if that happens, then it fuels the production side. So we are supposed to be addressing the issue from the access point of view, not from the production point of view, because it doesn't matter how much we produce if people can't afford, if people can't access them. So that is why we are very much um, connected with this conversation. That is why we are very much uh, keen uh, to continue to engage Kenyans, to engage policymakers, you know, we're engaging with the media, we're engaging with everyone who can just, you know, bring out this issue. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're saying, okay, so like about 15 million Kenyans, by the way, experience routine hunger. Wow. So, and these are people who don't even know that what they are experiencing is actually a problem. Yeah, there are a lot of people even in Nairobi today who have had breakfast, uh, but they don't know whether they'll be able to have lunch or they'll be able to have dinner. That's true. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who are eating, um, you know, calorie-based food and they don't have access to, for example, fruits and vegetables, which we're supposed, are supposed to also make their diets more nutritious, mm. apart from just, you know, being calorie-based. calorie, calorie So these people don't know that that is an issue in the first place. Mm. So they're supposed to know that that is not adequate food. So, and, and it means, therefore, that there's something that needs to happen for them to, uh, you know, be able to live a more fulfilling life. Because you can't live a fulfilling life, for example, if you're not taking in the right diet. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So you can survive, yes, you're not dying of hunger, but, you know, you're not living to your full potential. Yes. Yes. And this is something that we want many people to understand, that when you're talking about food security, we're not only talking about people who are dying of hunger, because, okay, that is important, that is urgent, that is something that we can see, and that is something that we should speak very much against but even after that when we are all free from hunger we should ask ourselves okay so we are free from hunger but what are we exposed to yeah are we eating safe food are we eating nutritious food is everyone accessing this equally so mm -hmm. that is why we have this kind of conversation every day it's so um it's so sad that they, they, this is like a real situation that is that is happening in 2020 yeah. and in our country. And mm. we we sit down and we watch the news and we hear about so much money being used um, by the government mm -hmm. over things that mm. don't necessarily um, are not as important. Yeah. And yeah. we wish that this was the main 
um, agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Such yeah. that all of us, all because if 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 you think about it, the. I think Kenyans have gotten to a place where they even think that this would be only happen in a perfect world mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. all of us can be able to eat what we feel we should eat, yeah. can be able to access food that is, as you have said, you don't necessarily just eat so that you can be full, so that you don't starve, you actually mm-hmm. eat so that you fuel your body yeah. as opposed to fueling disease, Yes, you know? Yes. So um, I think um, that that is one thing that I would hope is going to change and uh, that is why i am in full support of an, an organization like root to food and the work that you're doing mm-hmm. so speaking of work maybe you can tell us what role you play at root to food specifically and mm-hmm. what does your day look like yeah so at root to food um, i'm in charge of research and policy analysis um, so uh, my day here is uh, my work is, is is really cut out. Um, there's a lot of work to be done actually. Um, so I mostly look at uh, what is happening. Um, you know what is uh, what is new, for example, in government in government quarters. What is being implemented, and trying to make that connection and see. Okay, so is this is this the right way to do it? You know, how does this relate with the right to food? How does this make food more accessible to people? How does this make food more nutritious? Mm-hmm. How does it make sense to the people that are producing the food? So all aspects of an inclusive, what you will talk about, what you will call an inclusive and um, um, more or less an inclusive. Um, food system, mm. you know, where producers and consumers are part and parcel of the system. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is what we talk about every day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me ask something else because I know for anyone who is on social media, they have seen this amazing video that you guys have put out. Yeah. And this is how I even go to find out about your organization. Mm-hmm. This um, video, and you have all these uh, media personalities and popular mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. like Willis Raburu, you have John Alan Namu, yeah. you also have um, uh, Mandy Saro, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and so many other people who um, have come together yeah. to spearhead this message Mm -hmm. and just to to make sure that people get to know about what your organization is about and also the most important thing which is what I feel everybody should know about the fact that there are toxic pesticides being Mm -hmm. sprayed on our foods Mm -hmm. and they end up on our plates Mm -hmm. and then they end up in our systems so let's talk about this because this is why everybody is listening Mm -hmm. can you tell us what the situation on the ground is and um, just paint a picture for us to understand um, what really is happening on the farms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, last year we started this conversation on, on uh, pesticide use. And um, um, we tried to just understand, okay, so why are we using pesticides in the first place? And what is at stake? Yeah, what is at stake when, when we have this kind of, uh, this kind of system that yeah. is high, heavily reliant on chemical uh, pesticides to, uh, to operate and uh, we did a bit of research you know fact finding and looked at the kind of pesticides that are registered um, you know in our, by our governments and are allowed for use in our market mm-hmm. and what they are used for and how they're used yeah uh, the people who are using these pesticides the farmers you know the kind of knowledge they have the kind whether they are using even protective equipment so um, during that assessment we came to a conclusion that there's a big problem that needs to be addressed okay and one of the issues which we 
are focusing on right now. We know that uh, there is a lot of issue around pesticides, there's a lot of issue around regulation, there's a, lo a lot of issues around how they are actually used by farmers. Mm. There's a lot of issues around uh, consumer protection and ensuring safety. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what are the levels of pesticide residues in food? And uh, so the, 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 the one aspect that we focused on, and, and this is what we're focusing on now, is the kind of pesticide products that are registered in this market in our mm. country today. Okay. So we realized that uh, about 33% of all the pesticides that are registered and allowed for use today in Kenya have already been withdrawn or banned even from the market in Europe. And oh. um, we only used Europe. It's not. It doesn't mean that Europe Europe is doing you know the best in terms mm. of uh, in terms of uh, making sure that you know there's food safety, safety yeah. um, there's environmental sustainability, even when you are doing your farming practices. Mm -hmm. um, because and I'll tell you, I was in Berlin in uh, in January this year. Mm -hmm. There was a big like uh, I think around a hundred thousand man march. Wow. On in the, on the streets of Berlin and, and, really? and yes and, and 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 people are demanding, you know, that uh, we need to change our form of farming. We need to stop using pesticides that are mm. killing bees that are destroying our environment. So it doesn't mean that there is no problem there. But we said, okay, let's start from this basis. Yeah. Yeah. Because about again another about a third of the pesticides that we use in this country mm -hmm. are coming from Europe. Okay. So it was a good benchmark to look at. Okay, so what products are allowed in the market in Europe and that. 33% of these products that we have here are not allowed there. And we started asking ourselves, why is this the case? Why is this the case? Mm -hmm. Why do we have some of the most toxic products in the world being used in Kenya? On That's the flip so side, sad. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very, it's, you know, it baffles, it baffles me. And, and when you think about it, um, that many people are not concerned about this as, as a real issue. Mm. But you look on the flip side, you look at some of the, some of the countries that we are trying to look at as, as saying, okay, so it's allowed in the U.S., yeah. it's allowed elsewhere, so it's okay. Yeah. If you look at how farmers use chemicals in the U.S., it's very different from how farmers use chemicals. Here. How so? And in the U.S., mm -hmm. for example, there's a lot of mechanization. So most of the spraying is even done by, you know, it's done by through mechan mechanized. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, you have boom sprayers, you know, mounted on tractors and spraying these chemicals on mm -hmm. vast pieces of land. So the contact even with, with, between the farmers and the pesticide is, is almost zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's very minimal. And so the exposure levels are very minimal. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of regulations on, uh, on, on spray regimes. You know, the markets are quite structured. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of traceability. Uh, people know exactly where this, you know, uh, this carrot, where this potato, where this kale, where these cabbages come from. This ah, is not the so you mean here. the consumer? Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of systems in place to ensure mm. that, in as much as some of these very toxic products might still be in use in those markets, yeah. But the exposure levels are, are not as high as are they as are high. here in Kenya. But here where farmers even literally wash their hands with pesticides, oh, you know, because um, some of the farmers after they spray with their, you know, uh, their small sprayers which they put on their backs, mm. you know, some of them spray even against the wind so it blows back the pesticide. And they get to... Yeah. If you travel up country, you'll see some farmers even on the fields spraying at, at, um, at, at, at 12 p.m. 
I mean, uh, so when the sun is all out there, and the, you know, these farmers, they don't know that they are going to inhale all these products. Oh my goodness. And this is why you're seeing a lot of, uh, could be part of the reason you're seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, rising cancer cases, cancer cases you know, these, uh, you know, breathing problems, you know, issues like this. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion around that. So when we started this campaign, you know, um, we got a lot of backlash as usual from the industry that really? you know we are anti-science and this kind of thing mm. and you know just to also to make it clear that uh, some of us are scientists like myself yeah. I have a BSc in yeah. agriculture so it's not that we don't know what we're talking about we know the issues that we are talking about we know the chemistry yeah we know the biology of this product so when, when you know when, when they get in contact with you for example you know in the villages when, uh, when and, and, and not even in the villages even in the city here mm. when people commit suicide by taking poison they don't take a poison that is labeled as human poison yeah so mm. they will take rat poison they'll take a pesticide that is supposed to kill fallen worm. they'll take a pesticide that is supposed to kill you know um, something else yeah. so so these same products that are killing pests can kill us so this is what people should know a pesticide is not different you know the, what is killing a cockroach can kill you mm. yeah yeah so when you have exposure to this kind of products, it's harmful to you. Some of these products work in different ways. There are these products that are systemic. So, for example, there are products that get into the to the to the endocrine system of, of these pests. You know, affect their hormones. Their, their, yeah, their, their, yeah, their hormones. The endocrine system. Yeah. yeah. So it affects their hormones. So it means they can't multiply. Yeah. And and, and you see, so you have when you have that kind of product, uh, you know, sprayed on your crops, and then you eat it because maybe. You know, you eat it and you have a lot of exposure with it because maybe somebody sprayed and harvested tomorrow. Mm. It doesn't mean that because it works on the endocrine system of a different insect, it doesn't work on you because we all have the same animal cell. Mm. Yeah, so there's a Our very small yes, there's a very small variation between the animal cell um, that is in the insect or mm. that is in the, in the in whatever insect you think about. Yeah and the, what is in our bodies so we have the same structure yeah so when it can kill an insect it can kill you, you yeah. yeah and I, I mean the fact that you've even said that farmers are uh, they get to spray and, and all these pesticides on their crops which end up on our plates maybe I can ask this question because someone who's listening is also thinking the same thing the person that sells the pesticides to the farmers do they at, at some point is there a way that they can even like direct the farmer in terms of how to use it and even like tell them please do not use I don't know too much of this or this is how you protect yourself or this is how you ensure that you're safe as you're using this particular mm. product mm. is that a possibility or is it just a matter of just selling and getting things off the shelves yeah, what, what, what I know, and I've interacted with some of the, and there's a service, I think, there's um, between, it's a collaboration between Safaricom and I think one of these service providers, you know, where there's a bit of tracking mm. on who is buying this product, you know, when did they buy it, mm. um, and um, in one of, uh, some of the, one of the aggregates that I visited that have introduced these models, you know, they're trying to even ask farmers before they give them the product whether mm. they have protective gear. Oh. But this is not this is not being done in a 
way that you can say for example legally you know backed legally wow. so so it's, it's it's like 50-50 so if a farmer shows up in an aggravate and uh, the aggravate dealer tells them and in most cases they don't care about that yeah. because they are caring about their cells so when they ask them if you have protective gear and they say we have protective gear or mm-hmm. I have protective gear I'm going to spray in gambles I'm going to make sure that I've masked myself up I, you know I'm not I'm, I'm not going to be in contact with this you don't have a way of actually validating that that is what is happening mm. so when the product is labeled for example that you know after you spray you don't harvest for maybe 14 days there is no way of making sure that this is followed yeah there is no traceability in the market um, when someone goes today with a truck and they want to get tomatoes it doesn't matter whether those tomatoes have, have been sprayed the previous night yeah. they will be sold and they will come to Nairobi, they will come to your Marikiti, they will come to Kangeni, they will come to your Mamamboga, yeah? And you will eat them. Because this, this, no one who knows, you know, where this food is coming from. There's what? no one who knows how it was grown. There are no yeah. records. Farmers are not keeping any records of this. So, and, and the people who are selling, because you asked about the people who are selling, the people who are selling are salespeople on the ground. Yeah. They are paid based on the sales that they yeah. make. Their performance, uh, uh, I mean, uh, is based on the, the sales that they make. So mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't matter to them whether the farmers are using them correctly or not. To them, they just want to sell and, and make sure some, that they yeah. sell as much as they can. And in some cases, mm. um, I know situations where farmers have had to spray like even three times for the same pest simply because today one person shows up from mm. company A and yeah. tells them this is the product that works. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow another person shows up from company B and tells them now if you have sprayed that one you need to add this one. Oh and goodness. another person shows up from company C. This is the kind of mad- madness that is happening in our oh farms today. Goodness. And farmers are innocently not knowing what is happening. Yeah. They don't know that these products are harmful. Yeah, And those who know do not spray these products in the products that they eat at home. So they have divided their land into two sections. So they have a section for the market and a section for them. So the food that will end up on our plates, they spray it and they grow it separate. But the food that they eat, they don't spray. They don't expose it to chemicals. They eat clean, organic food. But because they need to sell, they do that to know what's going to end up in, you know, in our systems. Exactly. And this is why, this is why consumers are supposed to understand this conversation yeah. and be part of that conversation yeah. because um, they are the most underrepresented group when you're talking about this issue. They are the most vulnerable group when yeah. you're talking about this because they don't know what is happening out there and no one is caring about them. The companies that are selling these chemicals mm. don't care about the people who are going to be exposed to this. If they did, they would be very keen to ensure that farmers know actually even how to use these products. Yeah. And they would not be selling products that are very toxic simply because, for example, it's cheaper for them to produce them because some of these active ingredients, and when, when we talk about products as we look at the active ingredients, mm-hmm. some of the active ingredients um, are maybe out of patent, and then it's, it's cheaper, it's cheaper, for example, to keep producing that because you know there is no royalty and this kind of thing so 
they want to continue selling it in as much as it's very toxic people already know that it's toxic and maybe there are already alternatives for this product but the alternatives are more costly on the part of on the part of the manufacturer because they have to pay royalties and this kind of thing so this is the kind of business that is happening on the ground but at the end of the day Kenyans can decide and it's not a hopeless situation Mm. Kenyans can decide that enough is enough we are going to ask questions and we are going to stand firm and protect our right because what is happening today it's not it's not it's not the right thing it's actually scary like the more you even explain it mm. the more i realize that for me as a consumer yeah. i literally do not know how my food is grown yeah. what happens to it all i know is i'm just going to go somewhere buy tomatoes mm. buy whatever i'm going to buy and just cook and yeah. eat and it's not your fault Falma. it's not your fault by yeah. the way because the reason why we have a government yeah. and the reason why we have governments all over is because there are things that we as individuals cannot handle for ourselves mm. for example you know things like um, you know security yeah we can't handle our, it's out, own of security. our control. It's out of our control True. and this is why we are all contributing our taxes to that common pot so that you know these issues that affect all of us mm. and all of us do not have you know in our individual capacity capacities do not have powers to you know to take care of them they are taken care of by a government yeah. that is supposed to act on our behalf yeah. and to act to protect us. Mm. So when we are asking these questions, we are not saying, for example, that consumers are ignorant or consumers don't care about themselves yeah. when they eat thing, food that they don't know where it's coming from. Because by the time you even get money to buy that food, yeah. you have done so much. True. So you wouldn't necessarily have the capacity and the finances and the ability to start tracking where your food is coming from. And this is why you need to take that conversation now to the people that are supposed to ensure that this is happening because they need to be held accountable and they need to be responsible enough so that every human being every kenyan can actually have access to food that is clean and safe for them yeah because it's the point that you've made people wake up in the morning work really hard so that they can be able to afford um food that they need to fuel their bodies and their children and you know like their parents and etc so if something is happening somewhere in between Mm. that is not right yeah um it's 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 organizations like Root to Food that are actually trying to blow the trumpet so that people can know about uh, about such a an inhuman. Uh, for, to me, I feel it's inhuman mm-hmm. for you to even um, um, poison people without them knowing. Yeah. Literally, you are slowly by slowly killing them mm-hmm. without them having mm-hmm. any idea what mm-hmm. is happening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know the culture of Kenyans. Let's just be honest. Kenyans are not the type of people that every day or every other. Uh, several months they're going to go to the hospital or do a checkup mm-hmm. or they're going to go and, 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 and Kenyans don't necessarily do that. As long as someone has woken up in the morning, they're working hard, they're making their money, they're doing what they need to do, supporting yeah. their families. Some things they don't necessarily focus on them so much. Mm-hmm. And that is why I feel um, we need we need more, we need to be exposed more to such information. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we're, we're very grateful for organizations like Root to Food that are actually just championing for causes that are going to be beneficial to all of us because if you wouldn't have brought this up we would have no idea honestly we would have no idea yeah and there's even something interesting that i want to add you know um there's something else that i feel also is a bit unfair when people expose us to foods that are genetically modified yeah Mm -hmm. so because right now more people are aware of gmo Mm -hmm. And uh, they are aware of uh, its 
the harmful effects of eating food that is not organic, that mm. is, you know, GMO-based. Mm. And the thing is that you find at different malls, mm -hmm. different um, even shopping centers, that mm. people f expect these places to be high-end and mm. expensive. Mm. And some of the foods they are actually genetically modified. Some mm. of the, the when you go there to buy your groceries or vegetables and stuff. Mm. And I did this little experiment whereby I bought food from a certain mall. Mm -hmm. That is, it's such an expensive place, but I really wanted to know yeah. if what they are selling is actually organic, if it's clean, and mm. if it's good. And I'm telling you, I actually had the vegetables for about without refrigerating them yeah. for about a week and a half mm -hmm. without anything going bad, anything mm -hmm. even, they, there's, n there's no insect or bug that was crawling onto it. Mm -hmm. And it still looked perfect. Yeah. And I realized that most of the people out there, um, you know, my point is whether you are you're rich or poor, mm -hmm. we're all from different walks of life, but almost all of us are actually getting the same treatment. Yeah. We're actually being exposed to the same type of foods that exactly. are out there. Exactly. So, yeah. It's, so that's, just, it's just that some, um, probably some other people are getting food that has, uh, you know, barcodes and it's branded. Yes, yeah, it's but branded. But it, it doesn't mean that it's different food. Thank you. It doesn't that's... mean that they are safer, you know, foods yeah. compared to what everyone else is eating. Yeah. And, and again, you, you would not be eating from your house every day. So sometimes mm. you have, you know, you have stepped out and you're doing something, you go to a restaurant, yeah. you don't know where they're getting their food. No, you don't. And that is why when we're talking about these products and we're talking about this issue, we say, because our ask is very simple. So mm. first of all, as a baseline, as a base, um, or as a starting point, mm. let us remove the products that have been removed elsewhere from our market. Yeah. So the 33% of, of active ingredients, or which are, of course, constituting, constituting pesticides, about the same proportion mm. should that have been removed from Europe should actually been removed from our market. Mm -hmm. That is a starting point. And then we continue to have this discussion of how these um, harmful chemicals are being used in our food because pesticides are poisons. So there is no debate about that. Mm. Pesticides are poison. If you get into contact with them, they will harm you. They might not kill you today, but they might actually cause health complications that might kill you tomorrow. Mm. So in the end, the result is the same. So when you get into contact with a product like this, this is, this is what happens. Um, on your question on GMOs, you know, Kenyans just need to be aware. Um, I don't know. I don't know if um, we have any GMO products in the market because, again, the laws are very strict at the moment. Mm -hmm. That for you to have any GMO product, it must be declared as GMO. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, and I'm not dismissing your fears. The fears are very real because we are also experiencing the same. I mean, yeah. the trend is really worrying. Yeah, that we are going to already now we have, uh, you know, um, uh, BT cotton, which mm -hmm. is a GMO cotton variety that is already authorized. That is the only, that is the only GMO variety in this country mm -hmm. that has been authorized for commercialization. Okay. But we have uh, now GMO cassava, yeah, uh, which is in the pipeline because it has been approved now for field trials, national performance trials. And after national performance trials, chances are very high that it's going to be distributed and it's purportedly dealing with the cassava brown streak disease, which I agree is a very stubborn disease, but with phytosanitary measures, you can mm. be able to handle diseases. Yeah. Just the same way we are handling, uh, for example, COVID. 
so we are not changing the human structure no yeah, we are not doing we are not going to create uh, gmo humans which are going to be resistant to covid i mean but, but we're just instilling we get, measures yeah, that yeah. are going to but before we get the vaccine you see what we are doing we are social distancing yeah. we are wearing our masks you know um, at some point you know there was uh, um, i mean there was um, a bit of lockdown mm. so from hotspot areas people are not this is how we are supposed to be dealing with plant diseases yeah. like uh, cassava brown stick disease because it's not it's not spread across the country it's only rampant in a few spots and mostly okay. in uh, mostly in, uh, in in the coastal uh, coastal um, areas okay. and, and, and you know we can deal with it that way mm. we don't need gmo cassava to deal with that issue GMOs will not solve the problem of food insecurity. No. Yes, and most of these GMO crops, um, as we know them, are very reliant on chemical inputs. So again, mm. when you have uh, when you have some of these GMO products, you have a spray regime. You know, you have uh, to feed it with chemical products for it to thrive. So again, we go back to the same problem. Mm. So GMOs are not the solution. And whoever is hearing this, whoever is in a position of power, let it be known clearly that GMOs are not the solution. Yeah. We do not need GMOs. No, we don't. Yeah. It's just, it's insane. The more I think about it, I realize that um, it's almost like there's a system where there are people mm-hmm. who get to decide for you yeah. what is right for you and what ends up in your system. And it's very it sad. Ends up in your body. That's very <laughs> sad. And and I mean, as we keep on having this conversation, I think more and more people maybe can also share with us what they think. What do you feel um, is something that can be done? Or what is your experience with food out there? Because I know a lot of people who are listening to us are parents. They're worried about their children as well. They're worried about what they're going to eat. I know so many people. I've had many stories of parents whose children have ended up with chronic illnesses, even yeah. cancer, because of foods that they, they, they were exposed to. And mm-hmm. parents feel really bad because yeah. they do almost carry that guilt and they feel like they're the ones that expose the child to such foods. Mm-hmm. But it's none of their fault. Yeah. It's because the system that is in place yeah. is not doing what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah? exactly. So maybe we can go to this very important question. Mm-hmm. As Kenyans, what is it that we can do to push for this particular message? and to support root to food such that more people can know about this the situation that is on the ground more people can also be aware of the fact that there are harmful pesticides being sprayed on almost each and every crop that is out there that ends up as our food what can we do to support the cause so one um uh, i mean i will start with i'll start with what cannot help the cause so what cannot help the cause is, for example, when you are listening to this and you know um, you are a person of your own means and you say, okay, so because I've listened to this, so from today I'm going to buy organic food, so mm. that will not help the cause. Okay. Yeah. So even as you move to buy organic food, that is a short term. That is a short term measure for mm. you. Yeah, but remember that the, all the people who are voiceless out there, all the people who are in these informal urban settlements who will continue to go to Marikiti to buy their food, all the people who will continue to go to Kangemi to buy the food that yeah. they can't, they don't have the ability to know where it's coming from, depend on you because you might be having a voice that they don't have. Mm. So um, we say, okay, so you know this, you are aware about this, you know, there are things that you can do in your own small space in a mm-hmm. short term to mm-hmm. be able to keep yourself safe, 
from what is happening. Yeah. You can look for farmers who are doing organic and buy from them directly. You can set up your kitchen garden if you have space and sure. you know reduce the amount of food that you're buying from the market, which yeah. you don't know where it's coming from. But at the end of the day, when you do all this, remember that you still have a role to play in ensuring that everyone else is safe. Yeah. Um, again, uh, you know, there is a lot of discussion around. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of um, uh, discussion around whether it's feasible to farm without these pesticides. Mm. And we can say confidently that because we and we have seen farmers doing this efficiently, mm. you can farm without relying on these products. Even large scale. Even large scale, okay. you can do it. Um, uh, and again, to clarify that we are not calling for a blanket ban. So remember, we are focusing now on the 33% pesticides, which have been known to be carcinogenic, endocrine disruptors. You know, they are killing our bees and uh, you know uh, affecting aquatic aquatic lives and things like that. Mm. So you and, and these products are. This is this is not information that we generate. This is information that even the manufacturers produce. And you look at some of these pesticides, they have actually labeled and say that this one can kill bees, this one can affect this. Yeah, because wow. it's scientifically so it is proven. actually written up. It's written by the manufacturer. Oh it's information goodness. that is provided by the manufacturer. Now, the only thing that happens is after the manufacturer provides this information, mm. then the question is, okay, so we know that this pesticide can kill bees, mm. and we know how important bees are for food security. Yeah. Bees pollinate at least 25% of all the food that we eat is dependent on bees. Actually, I think it's Albert Einstein who said that if all the bees died today, man will only live for 40 years maximum and all of us will be wiped out if there are no bees. Yeah. Wow. So bees are very, very important. People talk about pollinators and they think that bees is just an example of pollinators, but bees actually do more than 60% of all the pollination that happens. Wow. Anywhere in the world, 60% bees are responsible. So when you see a grain of beans um, or something else that has been, or, or, or maybe, you know, sunflower and things like mm. this, you know, uh, other pulses that require pollination, your green peas, you know, uh, it's called minji. Yeah? Mm. This kind of thing, when you see them, just appreciate that this is the work of bees. Wow. So it doesn't matter, you know, what you have, how many tractors you have. If there are no bees, you will not harvest even a bean. Yeah. So then why <laughs> produce chemicals? Why manufacture chemicals that have a possibility of killing bees? So, so this is, and this is a question that, this that is the question insane. that, we, this is the question that we are asking. And, 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 and you, you know, if, if you ask some farmers around who are doing greenhouses, they are already buying bees. They are buying bees, the small wow. bees that, are not, that do not produce honey. Mm. They are called bumblebees. Mm. They buy them in a small box and keep it somewhere on the corner of the greenhouse so that they can pollinate their tomatoes or pollinate their capsicum. Otherwise, otherwise, they can't harvest tomatoes without bees. So this is, this, is the, this is the question that Kenyans are supposed to be asking themselves. Because when you're killing bees, when you're affecting biodiversity, mm. you are actually affecting the very core of our food. You're killing the very, very uh, system that produces food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in other countries, things are already worse. You know, people are having to, like in China, people are having to pollinate uh, manually. Yeah. With hands. Yeah. 
How, okay, so it, people are actually doing the pollination instead of the bee instead that is supposed the, and to. And it's very expensive to do that. In other countries, I know in some countries, you know, the business of providing bees for pollination is very serious business. Because there are no bees. Yeah. So, so you, you just have a warehouse, you have your bees there, you feed them on syrup, and then when someone has their crop flowering, they come and hire your bees, you take them to their farm, you release them, they pollinate, and then you bring back your bees. It's a very serious business. Okay. Because bees are not naturally existing in the environment anymore. And this is, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is the danger that we are exposed to now. Yeah. Is there something wrong with human beings? Because the more I listen to this, the more I realize it's almost like people get to a place where yeah. they get so smart, mm -hmm. they start producing and manufacturing all this stuff only yeah. to realize mm. that it's kind of like a vicious cycle. They are going now they are going back. Yeah. Um the more you you try and make advancements, mm -hmm. the more you're taking from this other side. Yeah. And then yeah. now, like what people depend on for livelihood is mm -hmm. lacking. Mm -hmm. But then we have all these chemicals that can kill whatever in exactly, seconds. Exactly, exactly, and only benefit a few people. And only benefit a few yeah. people. So this is this is the, this is the problem. So when 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 we look wow. at when we look at the the, the the whole issue, I think the most important thing, mm -hmm. and we had asked, you know, how people can contribute. Yeah. The most important thing, in as much as we are saying, okay, so try grow your own small portions mm -hmm. of food. It's very important even to just have your skuma wiki for one one day a week. Mm. It reduces, uh, you know, by a seventh the dependence you have on the market for green okay. produce. So even if you have a small space where you can just grow skuma wiki that mm -hmm. you just eat maybe on a Saturday mm. and the rest of the days you are going back to the market, you yeah. have reduced that exposure. Of course, yeah. So, and as you do that, as you look for farmers who are growing organic to buy from them, you also have a responsibility to mm -hmm. speak about it. And we, there is a petition in Parliament uh, uh, that was fronted by uh, uh, Gladys Bosch-Chalet, Honorable Gladys Bosch-Chalet, um, who presented a petition on, in Parliament, which was informed by this discussion that we are having and the data that we have on mm. these issues. And uh, uh, some of the co-petitioners are also organizations that are working with farmers closely and yeah. working with consumers. There's Koan, Kenya Organic Agriculture Network. There's an organization called Rodi, uh, Resource-Oriented Development. Mm -hmm. There's an organization called BIBA, yeah? mm -hmm. uh, Kenya Biodiversity Alliance. Uh, coalition, yeah. So, so this uh, this petition is very asking a very simple question mm. and a very simple ask from the parliament, which is supposed now, um, you know, to make this uh, recommendation that the products that we are talking about, the 33% of some of the most toxic products known in the world, mm. should be removed from the market immediately. Okay. And then let us have a conversation going forward on the regulations, on the process of registration, on yeah. the process of reviewing the products that are in the market. We need to collect data, for example, for monitoring on the, on the impacts on the environment, what we're talking about, bees and all that. No one is collecting that data in this country mm. on actually the population of bees and whether it's constant, whether it's reducing really? or whether it's increasing. That data is not available. No one? No one has that oh data available. God. So meaning people don't really know the situation at hand right people now? People don't know yeah. the situation. Um, so in small in small portions of uh, in small um, um, I, I mean and I myself I work with farmers every day. Mm. Sometimes I'm I'm very quick to, to to analyze that because some you know some farmers say that I have uh, tomatoes they are flowering and the flowers are just you know dropping off. 
Yeah, wow. it's not fruiting. And then you ask them, have you seen any bee around your farm? Mm. You know, since the flowering, so they say, I have not seen any bee. And what? then, okay, so how do you expect the pollination to happen? To happen. Yeah, so it means you need to also create a space on your farm for bees. Otherwise, you will not be able to harvest any crop that requires pollination, be it a grain, be mm. it whatever, you will not be able to harvest, even a fruit. If it requires pollination and you don't have pollinators around your environment as a farmer, you won't be able to harvest this. Okay. So, so we are asking for that environmental data to be collected, residues in, in water, residues in food. We are asking for that data to be made available. There is yeah. no one collecting data on residues on food. Caldro did a small survey sometime in 2018 hmm. or 2017, uh, but they say that this is not their mandate. Not Calro, KEFIS. KEFIS okay. is the Kenya uh, Plant Health Inspectorate Service. So KEFIS okay. is only doing uh, is only doing uh, sample monitoring for export. So it's not doing for for, for, for our local market. Okay. So the food, the tomatoes that you buy in Kangemi, the tomatoes that you buy in Marikiti, the yeah. tomatoes that you get from Mudurwa, that those ones that you get from Yamamamboga, mm. no one actually has tested. Even let's say within a span of the last you know six months or so the level of chemical residues in that food. Oh so no one tested that. So we are asking for these things to change. Yeah. And we are the, 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 we are asking Kenyans um, uh, who feel that this is an issue that has to be addressed to reach mm -hmm. out to their members of parliament yeah. because now the petition is sitting in parliament. Um, I think the report should be out very soon mm -hmm. uh, to ask their members of parliament to support that petition. Yeah, so because that is the only way now we can we can address it. Okay. But we, we are not saying that even after that we are not going to we are going to continue with this conversation because we believe the power belongs to the people. Yeah. yeah. That is so so important. So guys remember all you have to do is to make sure that you ask your member of parliament to support the petition. Um, we really want to ensure that the food that we consume is safe. It's um, it's fueling our bodies and not disease. And that is a message that I really want to keep drumming into all of us, all of our ears, is that anything you eat needs to lead to your betterment and not your detriment. So no matter what you do, just make sure that you take this opportunity, go onto your social media, make sure that you let your member of parliament know about this particular petition. The fact that we want to ensure that the harmful pesticides that are being sprayed onto our foods do not end up being used. And there's also there are also regulations being used so that we can all um, ensure that the food we eat is safe and clean enough for us. Now, I know that there's a very important hashtag that all of us need to know about. Mm. So can you tell us about the hashtag and how we can go about using it? Yeah, so the hashtag is uh, uh, toxic business. Mm -hmm. um, this is what we have been using all through the campaign. So okay. even when you go to the different social media platforms and you put the hashtag, you can be able to see some of the communications that we have put out there. And by the way, there's a whole documentary that that uh, Root to Food has done mm -hmm. um, on this topic. Okay. Yeah? It's called the Food Challenge. The when you food go on, Challenge. When you go on YouTube, okay. you can either use the hashtag toxic business or the food challenge. Um, I think uh, John Alanam also did one uh, on uh, bitter harvest, it's called bitter harvest, wow. also looking at issues of pesticide use. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can also find it on YouTube. Okay. Um, so this, this information is out there and now for you to contribute, for you to add your voice, you know, you can tweet anything, you can post anything on all social media, we are able to track and we are able to interact with you on that subject. Just yeah. use the hashtag toxic business. Toxic business. Yeah. So guys, starting today, let's all join hands so that we can be able to use the hashtag toxic business. 
all throughout your social media platforms. If you are on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, use the hashtag toxic business and get to add your MP to know your member of parliament needs to know about this petition that is going to support route to food that's going to support such that all of us can ensure that the food that ends up on our plates is safe and clean enough for our consumption we want to ensure that our members of parliament are also going to help us because we can make as much noise as we want and we are sure that the power is in the people Cindy, mm-hmm. the people are the ones that are going to make the change so is there anything else that you want to add um emmanuel because we've had such a, a great conversation you've gotten to tell us everything and we just want to know if you have any parting uh parting short yeah, I mean, for me, I will just say that, um, as we have said already, um, the power is in your hands. Yeah. You get to decide. You have a voice. You get to use it. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity to make change, and 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 part of that opportunity is to just ask questions and ask for that change to happen. Yeah. And asking the right people, of course, also asking the right questions. Okay. So let us continue to engage. You know, it doesn't matter whether you are a scientist or not. This is not a conversation about science Mm. we are not talking about the chemistry of pesticides we are not talking about the science of producing pesticides we are talking about the food that we eat which is very basic Mm. we are talking about what is in the food that we eat so all of us have um, you know an opportunity to be part of that conversation awesome thank you so much Emmanuel guys for those of you who have been listening I want to say a big thank you to all of you for listening to this conversation that is so important that affects us uh, our loved ones our children our parents the food that we eat it's important for us to know um, what really goes uh, about when when farmers are actually planting all these crops and our foods and how much um, pesticides do they use and why is it that we should even get to know about all this information so thank you so much uh emmanuel for sharing such um valuable information to all of us and i just want to let everyone know that they can be able to follow roots to food on us their social media platforms so instagram at root to food on twitter at root to food and facebook root to food it's as simple as that r-o-u-t-e root to food just hop onto their social media platforms leave them a message use the hashtag toxic business support the cause because remember the change you make is actually going to end up benefiting you and everyone else around you so it's all of us that need to do this and i want to say a very big thank you to all those of you who have been leaving messages um all those of you who have been listening to the wellness ke podcast thank you so much for making the time thank you for leaving your voice messages Thank you for leaving your actual messages and asking questions, requesting for future topics. I know what we're going to be discussing next is going to be quite interesting, so I want you to stay tuned for that. For now, again, Asante Sana, and I just want to remind you that you can be able to follow our social media platforms on Instagram at Wellness with Fatma and also at Well underscore Nes Ke. These two are our Instagram um 
accounts. And if you want to follow us on Twitter at KE Wellness and on Facebook, Wellness KE. It's as simple as that. You can leave us a message, you can share, you can follow, you can tag, and you can also request um, your favorite guest to hop onto uh, the Wellness KE podcast. I leave you with um, uh, some wise words here. They say, what you don't know won't kill you. But today we want to let you know that it is important you know more about what really goes onto your plate. So this has been our conversation here. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye.